Gambling on football, you say. Well, well, well. If you've done it before, you want to get back into it, or you just want another place to reliably play where you know when you win, you're going to get paid. Because remember, that's the whole deal. Winning is nice, getting paid even nicer. Thank you, Mr. X, for the comment. Bottom line is this, my bookie, mybookie.ag. They've been with us now for two seasons. They are a solid book. They pay when you win, and they are very straightforward. Plus, they've got a great array of ways that you can wager on games, an excellent interface, excellent mobile app as well, and great customer service. You know, there have been a small number of hiccups along the way, and people have emailed me directly and said, hey, I had a problem with my bookie. I send one email, boom, off to my rep at my bookie, and the problem is fixed like that. MyBookie.ag. Now listen, if you want to maybe bet a little bit and win big, try some parlays. They're kind of hard to hit, but they're fun to play, right? Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's MyBookie.ag, one of the best in the business. It's where I play. It's where I recommend you have an account as well because you can never have too many. And right now, joining MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Today on the Zabecast, when the 30 for 30 on Antonio Brown is written, it'll be at least, what, two hours long? As Uncle Vern once said, in your life. Also, Andy Poland joins me. We talk Badger's beatdown of Jimmy Harbaugh, Booger McFarland, and Steve Summers going ham on Greg Gumbel. All that and more is ready to go. Your bonus 40 minutes of uncensored me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Monday, September 23rd, 2019. Thank you for downloading. Wow, what a week three in the NFL. Once again, this league is a lot of things. It's greedy. It's infuriating. It is stupefying at times how they run the league, but damn it, what a product. It is not boring. Daniel Jones wins on a bit boffed field goal. I was going to say a bitched field goal. A, A chubbed skanked, shanked, wide right, yip, field goal by this guy named Gay. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Had been three for three in the game. They set him up. Oh, my God. Kyle Allen kills it for the Panthers. Cam who? Jacoby Brissett and the Colts are two and one. The Bills are three and oh. Packers are three and oh. Saints get it done minus Breeze with a two QB attack. Vikings get some swag back. Chiefs outlast the Ravens. I know I'm glossing over all of this, but there's a reason. For more on this, you can listen to one or both of my radio shows, either 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee, 6 to 9 a.m., or uh, the Team 980, 4 to 7 p.m. in the afternoon in Washington, D.C. This podcast is a supplement. It's an alternate content product. It is allows me to provide DVD-level commentary on things in life and sports with expletives included, but it is not a all-encompassing, here's your summary of everything that happened the last couple of days in sports. Okay, 
All of that from week three was overshadowed by the Antonio Brown saga, which took yet another twist and turn after we last left you here on the Zabecast. And let me just say I was wrong, dead ass wrong about Antonio Brown. I predicted, as you know, he would play all the rest of the season. He'd be a perfect Boy Scout. He'd be fucking awesome. And the Patriots would go 19, uh, well, 16 and 0, and then maybe 19 and 0. We'll see about that part. That's still in play. But, oh no, Antonio Brown did not last the season. And I don't even say that I was wrong like it was hard to say. I'll I'll say it loud and proud. I'm wrong. I mean, I should have played the obvious play, which is no way this guy stays out of trouble for an entire year. He can't stay out of trouble for five fucking minutes. And sure enough, um, he did not. Because the, the the story about these other people that had come forth in his life and said, yeah, he stiffed me of money too. And yeah, he stiffed me. And women saying, yeah, he uh, you know stood behind me with a towel and nothing else. And on and on and on. That alone was not enough to be fatal. The Patriots were going to hang in on that until the extra set of allegations finally came out Friday afternoon. And that's when the Patriots said, you know what? I think we've had enough. And then, of course, Antonio Brown on Sunday morning let out a tweet storm that basically compared himself to the world's greatest martyr and said, how come come Big Ben was investigated for sexual assault and he's still around? How come the owner of the Patriots got caught in the parlor? Oh, yeah, different set of rules for everybody. Also, Also brought up Shannon Sharp. By the way, Shannon Sharp's deal was far more serious with far more legal meat on the bone. He survived it. Go figure. Anyway, he's comparing apples to donuts because honestly, it's not so much that there are people in Antonio Brown's life in orbit who have said, hey, this asshole stiffed me some money or hey, this fucking weirdo hung around with his dick out in front of me. Those things are bad. The league was going to deal with those. The league was on the case. But the Patriots were like, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. You know, as long as the league checks it out and clears you, well, we're gonna we're gonna keep you on the team because you're great at catching footballs. But then it it was the Robert Klemko SI piece, the follow up piece, not the original one, but the follow up piece in which oh looky here, Antonio Brown does not know when to goddamn quit. He's group texting his associates, and including in that group text the woman who made these claims about the painting that she was doing of him and her, his house. And he's calling her a broke ass bitch and talking about, why don't you dig up some dirt on her? (laughs) Unbelievable. It's not the actual things themselves, the allegations of potential rape and or sexual assault. It's the fact that Antonio Brown doesn't know when to quit, which brings me to my larger theory right now. Um, A lot of people are like, oh my God, what's wrong with Antonio Brown? I got a theory. A lot of answer people in the media right now. Jason Whitlock, it's so sad to see him in pain. He needs to find God. Call out to God. He can change your life. I'm not mocking God. Not necessarily mocking Whitlock, but that's sort of like, okay. And then you got uh, Bonnie Bernstein on Twitter saying, mental health, mental health, blah, 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 hinting at CTE and... I don't know what else you got Bill Cower on the CBS pregame show saying very powerfully, get counseling. 
Here's what a lot of people I think are overlooking. A little thing called Occam's Razor. Look it up. You can Google it. Occam's Razor is a theory that says quite often, if not most often, the obvious answer to something that is a bit of a conundrum in life is the correct one. In other words, don't think so hard. Good old Occam was one of the first guys to go, "Eh, hold on, slow down. You're overthinking this. Here's Occam's razor when it comes to Antonio Brown. He is a racist, rapey, narcissistic asshole. That's who he is. It's not that he has suddenly turned into this guy. The money and fame didn't change him from a hardworking kid from the mean streets of Liberty City who had made it to the NFL and now all of a sudden he's rich and famous and now he can't handle it. No, 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 no. All that money and fame allowed that rapey, racist, narcissistic asshole to come out at him and flow freely forth. The more money, the more power allowed all that stuff to just flow like a sewer. And guess what? Sometimes there's no reforming some assholes. And there's no excuse for some assholes. They are just bad people. Assholes to the core. And and this is one of those guys, I believe. It doesn't mean that he shouldn't, if his heart tells him to, try to become a better person. I just wouldn't count on it. And it's funny all the people in the sports media that are trying to help him along on this journey. Why do they care? Ah, I know why they care. Because Antonio Brown is a star athlete in our ecosystem who makes miracles happen and delivers us highlights and makes people happy and wins fantasy leagues like he did mine last year. And so therefore we feel like invested, like we gotta, we gotta give this guy advice. We gotta help him out. No, he is an un repentant asshole who who will not change most likely and is going to go broke. So fuck him. Let him ride it right to the cellar, right to the poorhouse, right to prison, wherever he's going. The assumption is because he's a star athlete that wows millions with his athletic abilities that he's good, but he's flawed. Or he has potential, but he's wandered off the path. Oh, no, you got to flip that telescope around and look through the other end and go, some people are just wrong. They're assholes. Because there are, I guarantee you, thousands upon tens of thousands upon hundreds of thousands of people, maybe millions, who have come from bad situations, who didn't get enough hugs when they were a child, and who grew up in poverty, who made it out by hook or by crook, by athletic skill and or hard work in the classroom. And they're successful now. And guess what? They're not assholes. So that's not the only determinant. Well, he he grew up in a rough upbringing. He has trust issues, you know. Hey, he is who he is. Just like Denny Green once said, they are who we thought they are. That's Antonio Brown, an unrepentant, dangerous, racially hateful sexual predator who is going to fuck up his life. He's on his way. He's well on his way. Oh, and he also can catch a football. Like, God damn, was he good. But so what? Because who he really is has come out fully. There, boom, end of mystery. We now return you to the regularly scheduled litany of excuses, yeah, buts, and well, maybes, you'll be hearing on ESPN and elsewhere. 
Gambling on football, you say. Well, well, well. If you've done it before, you want to get back into it, or you just want another place to reliably play where you know when you win, you're going to get paid. Because remember, that's the whole deal. Winning is nice, getting paid even nicer. Thank you, Mr. X, for the comment. Bottom line is this, my bookie, mybookie.ag. They've been with us now for two seasons. They are a solid book. They pay when you win, and they are very straightforward. Plus, they've got a great array of ways that you can wager on games, an excellent interface, excellent mobile app as well, and great customer service. You know, there have been a small number of hiccups along the way, and people have emailed me directly and said, hey, I had a problem with my bookie. I send one email, boom, off to my rep at my bookie, and the problem is fixed like that. MyBookie.ag. Now listen, if you want to maybe bet a little bit and win big, try some parlays. They're kind of hard to hit, but they're fun to play, right? Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's MyBookie.ag, one of the best in the business. It's where I play. It's where I recommend you have an account as well because you can never have too many. And right now, joining MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Here's JT working first. JT, first down, Jonathan Taylor, rolling, touchdown, Wisconsin, 72 yards. We're outplayed. Outprepared and outcoached. Outplayed the whole thing. I mean, um, both offensively and defensively, that was, it was thorough. It was a, uh, you know, they... We knew this, you know, we knew it about their team. I mean, if they got the ability, uh, you know, they're good enough. And if they play good enough, they could, they're good enough to, to um, you know, to beat you thoroughly. That's what happened today. Oh, I know you know that song, Andy. You were singing it with your daughter this weekend as the Badgers just rolled up against Michigan. Did you have a good time? Oh, yeah, you know, I, I don't normally do this, but since Maryland wasn't playing and I didn't really have any specific game I wanted to watch, I said, you know, let's meet at a sports bar and watch the game. So we went to Tommy Joe's in Bethesda, she and her fiancé and I, and uh, we sat there, and there was a couple of Michigan fans there, and they got quiet real early, and it was it was just a lot of fun. I mean, it was it was something I hadn't done in a long time, and I really enjoyed it. Did you run your mouth to the Michigan fans, or were you civil? No, I mean, I, other than the uh, great amount of tuition that I paid to that school, I'm not really that emotionally invested <laughs> in Wisconsin, but uh, it, it was fun to watch. The words are on Wisconsin, on Wisconsin, plunge right through that line, run the ball down, clear the field. A score is sure this time. That's what Jonathan Taylor did, who is definitely in the running for another Heisman Trophy with Wisconsin. And he would be a great looking back for the Redskins if Geist doesn't work out. But we're sitting here on a Sunday afternoon where Saquon Barkley had to be carried off the field for the Giants, whose defense is atrocious and they're getting run out of the building by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so it makes you wonder doesn't it Andy 
is drafting a running back that high worth it? Yeah, I mean, Saquon Barkley looked to be that guy. I think the Giants are guilty of what the Redskins are, always thinking they're close. And I think they thought Eli had a lot in the tank left, so they took Barkley high. I mean, he was he was going to go top five. I mean, of he course. Is, he's a, a rare running back. But uh, they needed other help, and they invested heavily in a running back who may not help them as they rebuild for the next three years. Yeah. I was thinking about this. First of all, let's talk Harbaugh for a second. Is the is he in actual danger now with a loss like this? Uh, I think the only thing right now that saves his job this year is beating Ohio State. Um, because here's what I have learned about Harbaugh over the years and talking to others uh, who are you know more familiar with him. He wears out his welcome fast. And yes, he made Stanford a power after being a doormat for a number of years before he got there. But they weren't all that sad to see him go to the 49ers. And then he went there, and he had instant success there, and then things flamed out. And I think his window in Michigan is closing now, too. I mean, he talked the talk. He he had a great reputation. Everybody said, oh, I'd like him to be our coach. But here they are, what, five years in, four years into his program? What are they doing? All the rated recruiting classes were top flight under him. He got the big PR push. Remember ESPN used to cover their trips to the Vatican and yep. in the off season, like, and you're watching SportsCenter going, why the fuck do I care about where they're going in the summer? And there was this great push and he had a little bit of success early, but couldn't be at Ohio state. Now it just seems to be going South. If you fire him, the problem is who are you going to get? That's any better. Yeah. Well, also, it's a $17 million buyout if you do it. So right. uh, that's, that's a problem. But, yeah, I mean, who are the guys? You know, I guess Urban Meyer. Do you get into a bidding ah. war, Urban Meyer? Urban Meyer. You would hire yeah. an Ohio State man. Woody, Woody Bo Schembechler would be spinning in his grave like a pig on a spit. Well, this is, this is a different area. I'm hiring a Michigan man. <laughs> I'll hire a Michigan man to do a Michigan job. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I mean, look, uh, Urban Meyer, as, as I think I told you a few weeks ago, was going to be back in coaching, and he was sniffing around watching that Utah-USC game the other night. Uh, USC uh, won the game, so maybe that's going to buy a little bit more time. But they've already, you know, ousted the athletic director there, and I think I think it's very possible he'll go there. But, you know, if Michigan wants to get involved in the bidding, why not? Oh, God, yeah. See, it's a case of, uh, by the way, it was BYU. Uh, they lost to them on the no. It was Utah. You're right. Sorry, yeah. I'm looking at the four, the week before they lost by a field goal uh, to BYU. I can't find yeah. games quickly on my damn computer here. But yeah, so he's sniffing around USC. The thing though is Harbaugh's really good. I believe that. I also believe he wears people out. That said, yeah. in college the kids aren't around that long, so he should have been ideally suited to the college game. Maybe yeah. he's not as good, though, as I and others thought because of, A, the success at Stanford where he punched above the program's weight and beat USC and Pete Carroll a couple of times famously. What's your deal, man? And then he was really good in the pros with Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. And then without Colin Kaepernick, how was he? Yeah, they uh, they flamed out. And, uh, and, but, I, I again, I, I think he's... He's a lot like Billy Martin, that he has initial success, and then he just wears people out, and they don't want him around anymore. 
And uh, I, I don't know what his next stop will be. Somebody will give him another shot, maybe in the pros, maybe the Dolphins. But uh, well, I, I he's don't not think, fired. I don't he's think... not fired yet. This no, could be their I, one I, loss of the year. They might beat Ohio State. They might right the ship. Yeah, I but just... they also may win six games this year, and that doesn't sit well with the old alumni. Yeah, especially not when uh, – did you see his, uh, his uh, detergent commercial for his khakis today? No. Yeah. Apparently, he's got a sweet endorsement deal with some detergent maker. It's a cute commercial where some kid, some college kid's like, okay, Mr. Harbaugh, I'll keep, uh, Coach Harbaugh, I'll keep those khakis nice and pressed all season long. It, it was a, yeah. it's a downy fabric softener commercial. And I'm thinking, okay, dude, these commercials are great until you start losing. And then they yeah. get hung around your neck like an albatross. Yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly right. I mean, uh, look, Nick Saban's got a commercial now. Uh, he can have as many commercials as he wants. Yeah, for Aflac. Uh, yeah, because yeah, he right. wins, period, amen. Yeah, I was exactly. think, I was thinking about how many college games I've physically been to because this question was asked to me. And, uh, and if, in fact, it was, uh, uh, yeah, it was asked to me, and I started counting them up, and it's embarrassing, Andy, how light my Saturday big-time college football resume is. I'll give you mine, and then you can give me yours, and then we'll share a few thoughts about the Saturday experience and going to games. I have been to a Maryland game. I don't even remember who they were playing. I was underwhelmed by the whole experience. I was at a South Carolina game when Champ Bailey was at Georgia. It was South Carolina, Georgia. Uh, This was circa 1998, I want to say. Hell of an experience, good time. I was at a Virginia Tech-Boise State game, but it was at FedEx Field, so not really a college game. I was at Notre Dame versus Air Force at Notre Dame eons ago when they uh, had not yet expanded the stadium. I went to a Northwestern game when I lived in Chicago. I forget who they were playing. It was meh. And I went to the Wisconsin game against Central Michigan two weeks ago. Other than that, a couple of D3 games that I was calling when I was in college at UC Santa Barbara. That's the sum total. It's embarrassing, Andy. I got to get out on Saturdays. Where have you been? Well, I've, I've been to quite a few Maryland games and some duds, maybe like the one you went to. But I also was at a, a great game where they beat Clemson in Ralph's first year, I believe, or maybe second year to wrap up the ACC title. And the kids took down the goalposts and carried them through the campus. I mean, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, back in my Dallas days, I went to numerous Pony Express games, but that's when the money was flowing in the uh, Southwest Conference, and they played their games at Texas Stadium because Ron Meyer wanted them to have a taste of where the Dallas Cowboys play. But it was a dead atmosphere. I mean, SMU was only half filling the place, even though you had you know legendary players like Craig James and Eric Dickerson. Uh, been to the Cotton Bowl, uh, saw two Cotton Bowls there. I saw uh, the number two or three, at least two of the. Texas-Oklahoma games, you know, the Battle of the Red River, the Red River Shootout. Red River Rivalry, march, yep, shootout, exactly. We march up and down Commerce Street uh, the night before the game. And and I should remind you what a, what a difficult time you gave me when <laughs> my son and I went to the Gator Bowl to uh, – to, to watch Maryland beat the crap out of West Virginia. And as I said to you, I said, uh, the a- ACC is adding some teams, and it's unlikely they're going to play in a bowl this good again. 
And I was right about that. And, uh, boy, we, we had a really good time. I enjoyed that. I did. I, you know, for those that don't remember this chapter in our history together, uh, this was what year? This was 2004. 2004. And Andy signed up to go with what he calls the Straw Hat Booster Club, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, the boosters that have the straw hats like in vaudeville, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that yep. would break if you sat on them, basically. To rah 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 for the old team, you know. Yeah. And, and you went to that with your son, Jeremy. Yeah. And you yeah. had a grand time. And I was an unrepentant asshole to you, and rode you about that, calling you stupid, wasting your money, encouraging mediocrity. You should aim for higher. I'm embarrassed, Andy, that I was that way. And you were right to do that because. Your son Jeremy now is a grown man. These moments, these years pass by, and so you went to a bowl game. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. it was a good time. And uh, you know, I think I said to you when I got back because that year, or a year later, the Super Bowl was going to be played there, and I said that place is no place to hold the Super Bowl. And we went there, and <laughs> I was a hundred percent right, but. By Thursday, it was gridlock in the postage stamp of a downtown. All the Eagle fans drove down and slept in their cars. I mean, it was just a complete disaster. And I could tell just from the Gator Bowl crowd, oh, my God, this is not going to work. Right. Speaking of going to games, you're going to the Monday night game. Uh, tonight, mm-hmm. Bears, Redskins at FedEx Field. I uh, I shudder at the thought of what kind of misery it could be, although the weather's going to be lovely, so you picked at least a nice time of the year to go. I've been to Sunday night, Monday night games out there in the cold of December with the winds howling, and it's just hell on earth. That said, um, you're going with a friend from Chicago. Is this uh, inf- Yeah, this is, this is not infomercial yeah. Joe. This is a cousin. No, this is the cousin uh, Howard Berger. Uh, who was a Bears fan, season ticket holder, and wanted to come in. So I said, I think I could probably get tickets. <laughs> Where'd you get uh, the tickets, and what did you pay? Well, I paid nothing. They're 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 sweet tickets from the station. Okay. So we're 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 going to be uh, fine. But he hey, wait, um, your new station has a suite. Yeah, well, we're, you know, both of our stations are somehow uh, <laughs> flagship stations of the Washington Redskins. Not not sure how that works. It's weird. It's weird it that your station and our station are the official flagship of the team. They must be handing out, Danny's handing out flags left and right. Here, you want a flag? You want a flag? I bet a guy with a podcast <laughs> could be the official flagship podcast of the Redskins right now. All right, so you yeah, got a suite. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to be in a suite, so that's... At least okay. The kickoff is at eight twenty local time. I know. I the know. This beltway. Is be an the beltway on Monday is uh, never pretty. When do you plan on leaving the Poland abode in North Potomac? Uh, well, we're not in North Potomac anymore, Toto. <laughs> Rockville, uh, but no, it's now Germantown. We uh, move. Okay, going keep up. moving on north. All right. It's not. Yeah, it's not Gaitha's bike. You're not living in no, Gaitha's bike. No, <laughs> no, just, just, just beyond Gaithersburg. We're right on that edge, and uh, yeah, we're. I'm going to leave. I'm actually meeting them. He's coming with a friend, and uh, we're we're meeting at uh, just off the Beltway in Chevy Chase, and then we're going to drive in one car. What time? Uh, to, uh, I'm. I said to meet at the uh, location, which is right off of Connecticut Avenue, about five o'clock. So I figure about an hour and change to get to the stadium, okay. and, you know, all that. So I'm going to get there early. But 
uh, yeah, the traffic is bad. I've been to these Monday night games, but you know, he wanted to go and I've been to Chicago and have sat with his seats in Wrigley field, which has been great. So, okay. uh, good, good. So, it. so you're going to go and that'll, that'll probably be your one and only visit this year. Uh, I don't know. I may go to another game this year. We'll, we'll see. Okay. We'll see how it goes. I, I, I don't mind one o'clocks, but, uh, as we've talked about, I mean, watching the games at home is a much better experience. The Monday nighter is the one either Monday or Thursday is the only ones I really consider because there's no opportunity cost of missing other games on Sunday afternoon or Sunday night or, you know, so, so if it's Monday or Thursday, you know, it's the only game going, it's not right. terrible to actually go there and be there in person. Now, Here's the real story of the Monday night game. And this this one left me gobsmacked when I read it. Dan Steinberg, writing a piece in the Washington Post, said that Booger <laughs> yeah. McFarland, Booger McFarland, Andy, called FedEx Field, quote, an iconic venue and also said that Bruce Allen has done a, quote, great job of building this roster. Holy shit, he couldn't be more wrong if he tried. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a research department that they take great pride in at ESPN. And while they may have provided him with research, and apparently he chose not to read it, um, I did put out this tweet in linking Dan's story. Uh, I recalled that when Charles Mann retired from the Redskins somewhere in the mid-'90s, actually played a year in San Francisco first, but after he retired, he went to work for Channel 9 as like a weekend sportscaster, and they sent him to training camp. And he said, oh, no problem. He drove to Carlisle, which was fine, except at the time the Redskins were training in Frostburg, <laughs> in another state. And, and so, so he goes, he calls, I'm here. Where are you? I'm in Carlisle. Oh, the Redskins aren't. They're in Frostburg. So I, I would hope that Booger McFarlane would not show up at the iconic building RFK and say, where is everybody? There's a larger question here. That's classic, by the way. There's a larger question, though, which is, why does a guy say shit like that? Because it's uh, clearly out of tune with both the facts and the sentiment in town. The facts of FedEx Field being non-iconic are self-evident on their face. A, it has never witnessed a single playoff win in its... Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's, it's had one, the Lions, one. back in 99. Yeah. It has now been defaced and and it's being disassembled as we speak. In fact, there is a photog for Channel 4 that claims he's convinced they took out more seats this winter and didn't announce it. Would you <laughs> would you put that past the Redskins? I wouldn't. Who, who knows? I mean, every time you go there, you see like various sections that are what are they called? Roped off, clothed off, however they do it. And uh, and then the old uh, party deck seats yeah. have been taken out. I mean, it's, Like, unless it's, you're counting the rows in the upper deck, you wouldn't know if they took out two more rows in some sections. The, the stadium is looking more and more like some kind of collapsing building in a dystopian future-type movie like Planet of the Apes, where it's just disintegrating before your eyes. So to call it iconic is insane ass-kissing that comes out of nowhere. And then the Bruce Allen thing. Why would he say he's done a great job building the roster? Why? Because Booger McFarland played in Tampa, and I guess there's that oh. Tampa connection. Now I get it. 
That could and, be the only thing. And and do you think that maybe Snyder has still influence within ESPN? It'd be hard to uh, believe, given how woke ESPN is. They're anti the name. Um, they don't particularly like him, but he did pluck uh, Shapiro. Uh, which Shapiro? Dan Scott, Bill, Mark Jim, Shapiro. Mark I, Shapiro I don't, I don't, from ESPN. Yeah. 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 I don't know if they're still connected anymore. I, I remember doing an event for a Monday night game where they had a luncheon with a bunch of advertising people and Michelle Tafoya and I hosted like this, this Q and a and Mike Tirico showed up and Dan Snyder did show up and I saw him schmoozing with Tirico. In fact, you know what it was? It was the day that that game, the debaculous game against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Oh no. And, uh, uh, and I did see him, you know, Snyder, you know, really cuddling up to Tarico. So I don't know. You know, okay. maybe there is that connection there. All right. Uh, which brings me to the main event today with you, Andy, and that is the seemingly unprovoked, out of nowhere hatchet attack by WFAM host, FAN host Steve Summers, a.k.a. Yeah. the sweater. Or was he the schmoozer? He's the schmoozer. He's the, the sweater schmoozer. Was, uh, Russ uh, was TV guy. Russ yeah, Salzburg. he used to wear sweaters yes. on TV. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Steve Summers unloaded on Greg Gumbel, who seemingly is the more well liked and personable of the two Gumbel brothers, although dis- demonstrably less talented. Here was the attack. If you want to go ahead and stop it along the way, it's two minutes and 22 seconds of, oh my God, Summers, he's not moving. Stop hitting him. If you want to stop it, just say stop, okay? All right. Here we go. Come on, play. $1,000 for two years. This is 1987. And they canned him. He was so bad and paid him off. He Did was- you hear that, Andy? Barely. Okay. Happy about it. He I was just it, waiting to get on with CBS. Uh, and same with Jim Lampley. In the very beginning, those two guys got hired here because they had names. He then started calling me overnight and in very subtle fashion was taking little shots at the radio station for letting him go. If anybody even remembers that he did a morning show, all he did was read wire copy. It was the worst version of a morning show you could ever have heard anywhere, let alone New York City. The bottom line is... Okay, so I'm going to stop right there. What do you have to say about the the opening 40-second salvo? And that was, just to refresh my memory, him talking about the quality of the show? Yes, he said it was the worst morning show you could imagine, not even counting the worst morning show for a major market like New York City. That's fair, but with this caveat. Uh, remember, it's 1987. And preparation was a little bit different. There's no internet. You're relying basically on Sports Center and newspapers at that point. Uh, also, the program director, while he had worked in radio before, had been Pete Franklin's producer in uh, Cleveland, he had come directly from ESPN. And instead of hiring a bunch of radio people to be producers or young people who he could train to be producers, he brought television producers from ESPN. And what they would do is they would write packages. They thought this was really good radio. So they would write around sound bites the same way you would do a, you know, a sports center, but with video and Gumbel would just come in and read it. And Steve is a hundred percent correct. I mean, it sounded like he was reading wire copy, but you know, things were a little different then and guys didn't really, 
you know, it's funny the way sports radio has evolved, but this was the very beginning of it. And guys didn't really have the feel of where he would spout off or rip somebody. Plus, Gumble at the time was working for MSG, which would be the, you know, the local outlet which televised Ranger games and Nick games. And he was Marv's backup, Marv Albert's backup on the TV game. So he wasn't going to rip any of those properties either. So it, what, what Steve is saying is correct if you put it certainly in the context of now. But the context of then, it wasn't considered that terrible. Okay. He went on to say the following, and I'll play it for a minute and then stop it, that once Gumble was out, he was still friendly with him, Summers was, but that Gumble, once he got his big TV break with the NFL and CBS, he was like, oh, yeah, call the PR department. I'm not going to help you out. Yeah. Here yeah. we go. Here we go. Come on. Three because we have to take a break and then get back to the call. So Greg is calling me overnight under the covers, taking subtle shots at the radio station because they fired him for reading wire copy for a whole year and drawing minus ratings. So now we call him when he gets his gig at CBS. He's going to do an NCAA tournament game, basketball game uh, in Kentucky. And so we call him uh, for like to get him on to, to do an interview with him about uh, the games that he's going to be broadcasting. He tells me, call the PR department. Greg Gumble, nice guy. And they fire him. He calls me. I let him on and, uh, you know, was doing everything I could to uh, further uh, his what he really wanted, which was the TV gig. Just uh, WFN was a pit stop for him. So I call him when he finally gets a job. He's going to be in uh, Kentucky doing NCAA basketball. And we call him for an interview to do some previewing of some of the games that he's going to be broadcasting. Tells me to go through the PR department. Great Gumble. one eight seven seven three. And you think he does a great job calling games now with the football on the weekends, especially if he's doing a New York team? you think he knows what he's talking about? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay, well, so uh, did Summers go too far? And what do you think was the reason after all these years he would come out with something like this? I have no idea unless a caller reminded him of it. Uh, I would say this, that uh, my experience working with Greg, and I worked with him for a year, he couldn't have been a nicer guy, couldn't have been better to deal with, was nice to everybody, knew all the interns' names and their mothers' names, and was just a, a joy to work with. Now, Steve, prior to coming to FAN, had worked in television in Los Angeles, where he had worked either as the weekend guy or as a reporter with Bryant Gumble. So he was one of the few people at the time who had good things to say about Bryant Gumble, who was being ripped left and right, including a big piece in Sports Illustrated, which quoted his mother as saying he was the devil. Oh, so what? Uh, it, yeah, look it up. It's it, it's it's whose really mom a, called him the devil? Bryant Gumble's mother, mother of Greg and Bryant, said <laughs> Greg, that Bryant was the devil. So there was that going on. And uh, and I think that, you know, Steve was was somewhat, you know, in, in Brian's corner when a lot of people weren't. But I did witness a number of very friendly morning conversations as Steve was getting off the air and Greg was getting ready to go. And, uh, you know, I didn't, there was no animosity there. I, I'm not familiar with the story of what he told him what happened after Gumbel 
left, but, uh, you know, Gumbel did fine. He got paid off for, for the, it was like a two-year deal. He got paid off for the second year as they brought in Imus. And by the way, I'm the answer to the trivia question, who filled that gap? Ooh, <laughs> you are the bridge guy. You are yeah, the, you are the a, interim coach between yeah, uh, Greg Gumbel and Imus. Yeah, and uh, but that that I think uh, you know some of it stems from from his his like of, of Bryant, who's one of the few people I know who said things like that. And the other is that that you know maybe that actually did happen. Uh, you know, I mean, Greg Here's Greg the one. was clearly interested in television. He, yeah. he he the only thing he was really interested in reading before the start of his show, like he wouldn't sit down. There was no, nobody would sit down at a computer in those days and go on the internet because there was no There's internet. There's nowhere to go. But he wouldn't even. Really, he wouldn't really even read the papers. He he was more the one thing he was interested in was uh, Rudy Martsky's column. Oh boy! He wanted to see what Rudy was writing. That was about it. <laughs> and that's a reference for people about our age that can remember why that column had influence in the USA Today way back in the pre-internet ages. It's also possible that Greg Gumbel was following orders from the network to not go on radio shows without the PR department signing off on it. Yeah, and, but I and, think and, I think he owed uh, I think he owed Summers one. I mean, I I can see Steve's point. He there. might have you said, know, but just, he might have said, "I'd love to do it, but I don't want to get fired from this job too." You have yeah. to go through the PR department. Also, let's not forget, Summers might have been a bit of an asshole. Also, I've heard his show. I don't consider it rewriting the laws of radio nature where it's like wow this summer's guy is unbelievable it's an acquired taste well uh, i'll I'll take a couple things uh he was the first guy i thought who got it there was a lot of what greg was doing on the station and they made the mistake of hiring national people they had jim lampley lampley was very good but lampley didn't have the real new york feel to him i mean russo and francesa were different and while steve had come from san francisco he had that feel. He was the he was the overnight guy, and in the first few months of the station, that's who everybody was talking about because he he had a better understanding really? of radio. Okay, and 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 you know one of his biggest fans is you know this right? No, Jerry Seinfeld. Get out! You didn't know this? No, oh, yeah, had no oh, idea. Yeah. Seinfeld has come in and done shows with him. Sat with his studio for hours with Summers. Okay, well maybe I'll have to give it a listen again, just to yeah. see. All right, lastly, uh, I believe you have an FTG for the week, so I'm going to play the music and let you tee it up, all right? Stand by. Here we go. Andy Poland getting in the act, everybody. Your favorite show. F that guy. Stand by. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. (laughs) Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. All right, Andy, who is your F that guy for the week? F Josh Norman, who this week, first of all, got upset at reporters for accurately quoting him uh, (laughs) in regards to Dak Prescott and F him for saying about his defense. Well, if we make a play here and a play there, it's a different story. That's loser talk. That's what you used to hear from Norv Turner. How about if you make a couple of stops on, say, oh, Deshaun Jackson touchdown bombs and Devin Smith, who hadn't caught a pass since 2016. All you've done is run your mouth since you've gotten here. You wanted to be the next Deion Sanders. You're not. And now you're not even a really good corner. You're just an overpaid blabbermouth. 
Yeah. There his, you go. his two claims to fame were one, bringing that baseball bat to the sideline in New York when they played Beckham and the Giants. And secondly, yeah. being a guy that rides horses, which is kind of an interesting thing for an NFL player. But I say F him because of this. He took a check during his bye week to fly out to L.A. to be part of the what? Media. To be on yeah. Fox. You right. can't draw a check and then turn around and say, I hate the media. I double down, yeah. Andy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Hopefully he makes a tackle or two on Monday night because he still is playing yeah. for our team. Andy, is always a pleasure. Enjoy the game tonight. And when are you going to leave? Uh, well, probably stay till the end. Da, 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 I... da, 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 da. A-L-E. Always <laughs> leave early. Take my well, word. Don't don't stay to the end, I, you I, dummy. I, I'm doing this for my Chicago cousins who have gone to the expense of flying in. So uh, it's up to them when they want to go. And if they want to see the Bears roll it up, I'll allow them to do it. God help you, Andy. All right, buddy. We'll talk <laughs> next week. All right, Dave. We will end on this today. Is it not enough that our smartphones and our computers and big data and Amazon and Facebook are tracking us and spying on us all the time? Is that not enough? Now, our toilet and our sink are going to do the same? To quote the Julius Caesar line, et tu, Brute? Delta Fawcett's voice IQ technology takes advantage of your plumbing to turn it into an Alexa eavesdropping center. Designed with the understanding that 20% of all Wi-Fi enabled homes are equipped with a connected home device, Voice IQ technology pairs with existing devices to dispense the exact amount of water needed, all with a simple voice command. Alexa, pour me a glass of water. Yes, sir. Oh. Oh, my life is so much better. Because I couldn't just, you know, put the glass under the sink and then put up the faucet and then watch it go. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Additionally, consumers can customize commands to make everyday tasks easier, like filling a coffee pot or a child's sippy cup or a dog bowl. I'm sorry. You can't make those tasks any easier because they're as easy as they can possibly be. It'll make everyday tasks easier. Oh. Honey, can you fill the coffee pot? Oh, no. I don't know how. It's so complicated, and I get confused as to when it's full. And now these devices will be able to listen in. They'll listen in on uh, your kitchen conversations. They'll listen in on the shitter. (laughs) They'll listen in all over the place. Honestly, who on earth would get a voice-enabled faucet or a voice-enabled shitter. I have no idea. Okay, we're done for today. Feedback, reminders. Uh, feedback, save at yahoo.com. I love to get it all. Thank you very much. Also, thank you to a great afternoon of golf with Rick DeLisi and his brother, John. Rick is a former broadcaster, longtime one percenter, has listened to me into various iterations on various entities for 20 plus years. Great guy. He bid on a round of golf with me at a charity golf event over the summer. And we finally paid off on that bet. Not bet, but we paid off on that. Had a grand time at Lansdowne out in Leesburg. And uh, his brother's great because he is a 
top NTSB investigator. So you know me with my obsession with plane crash stories and 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 documentaries. <laughs> we geeked out for four and a half hours. Good times. Also, Sunburn Bowl 1, it's a go, and it's going to be fantastic. All are welcome, including those who don't live in and around Milwaukee. You just have to get yourself to Milwaukee to get on the charter flight down to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, in the middle of winter, right after the Super Bowl concludes. It's going to be a big, blended family of glorious Zabe One percenters, and it's going to be like Zabe Vegas on steroids. So... You'll get to see me. You'll get to meet Drew and KB in the afternoons. Live shows, morning and afternoon. Unsupervised adult shenaniganery. Jump on it. Go to thegamemke.com. Look for Sunburn Bowl 1 in the menu up in the top. It's just in letters. You'll see it there. And if you have any questions or have a hard time getting uh, the contact link, then go ahead and email me, and I will let you know. That'll be it for today. Thanks for listening. Have yourself a great Monday, and we will see you next time. Gambling on football, you say? Well, well, well. If you've done it before, you want to get back into it, or you just want another place to reliably play, where you know when you win, you're going to get paid, because remember, that's the whole deal. Winning is nice, getting paid even nicer. Thank you, Mr. X, for the comment. Bottom line is this, my bookie, mybookie.ag. They've been with us now for two seasons. They are a solid book. They pay when you win, and they are very straightforward. Plus, they've got a great array of ways that you can wager on games, an excellent interface, excellent mobile app as well, and great customer service. You know, there have been a small number of hiccups along the way, and people have emailed me directly and said, hey, I had a problem with my bookie. I send one email, boom, off to my rep at my bookie, and the problem is fixed like that. MyBookie.ag. Now listen, if you want to maybe bet a little bit and win big, try some parlays. They're kind of hard to hit, but they're fun to play, right? Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's MyBookie.ag, one of the best in the business. It's where I play. It's where I recommend you have an account as well because you can never have too many. And right now, joining MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid.